Welcome to Talk Cosmos, the show where Sue Rose Minahan and guests unveil astrology's ancient archetypes that continually build the collective experiences in our unconsciousness. Get ready to find your free will from your roots in the stars. Sue Rose Minahan, host of Talk Cosmos, and tonight we have Planet Buzz for Gemini. And it is in the Gemini, well, again, we are in the Gemini archetype, and our subject tonight will be the second Mercury retrograde that happens to be in Cancer. It's the second of the three retrogrades that occur in a year, and this year they're in water signs. The last one was Pisces. This is in Cardinal cancer so for the degrees will be between well between 5 and 14 but really you could imagine not imagine but if you have a chart of your own your own natal chart from 0 to 20 in all the cardinal signs and that includes from aries cancer libra and capricorn this retrograde will have some real effect as it retraces our story Mercury is the communicator. And it may ask, what story do you need to retell your roots? And that goes for the United States, too. What, what is our rebirth? What, how are we going to recreate and find the democracy that works for all? It's where between the Mercury retrograde and the Venus retrograde going on. And this retrograde begins, actually, I should say, June 18th at 14 degrees, 45 minutes in Cancer. And it continues until July 12th at 5 degrees and 30 sec minutes in Cancer. And that's at to, on the 18th at 2.16 a.m. in Pacific time and on the East Coast, at 5.16 a.m. So that pathway will continue in the degrees going back in your life, just as far as this immediate focus, June 2nd, and when it concludes its retrograde, which is an apparent view from Earth and goes in its direct motion, it will retrace those same steps from the 12th to the 26th. So it's for an extended period of time. And as Leslie Francis, another Canadian astrologer and author, lecturer, uh, is going to be, I, I was just noting in a lecture that she's giving with uh, ESAR, which is an astrological community that many of us belong to and is very reasonable for any of you that may want that's International Society of Astrology Research, that, of course, the retrograde is as powerful a motion as the direct motion, that life isn't always a forward motion, that it reminds us of our inner life, and it gives a different kind of fuel. That's what I loved, how it was expressed in a pathway living life. I... Okay, I was making reference to the fact that Venus is retrograde right now before the Mercury is actually occurring this Thursday, because this show will also um, replay on Thursday morning, the 18th, 
And that's at 6 in the morning here in Pacific at 9 at Eastern Time. You can always do that directly online at 1150 KKNW or just go to Talk Cosmos and you'll find the link for the podcast replays. The point I'm making, and perhaps even in my speech, is the diversity, Mercury with its diversity. We get communication from all angles, from all people. And just the fact that we have so many powerful, and they're all powerful. At this point, because it's a cluster, perhaps it makes it more powerful. But Mercury will be retrograde, and within a week, they'll have this Venus retrograde that has been continuing since, I think, May 13th. And my guess, I have it written down here exactly when it was. It was, oh boy, uh, May 13th. Yes, it went retrograde. And it's in Gemini. So of course, it's talking to Mercury. So that's my one point. Okay, well, we will be reflecting. And in reflection, I just want to make this other point, because our conversation will date way back. It's in Cancer. We have memories. And those memories aren't within boundaries. They go way back. So yes, it, it will be in this immediate time frame that we speak about from June 2nd until July 26th, whether it's forwards or backwards, because that's how life manages. And in cancer, like the tides and our memories and our stories, it narrates our stories. So now we are ready for Planet Buzz. Focusing on planetary ecliptic orbital cycles and planetary pairs called synodic cycles connecting the planets at the same degree that begin our relationship, these are the members of Planet Buzz. I'm Sue Rose Minahan, host of Talk Cosmos, an evolutionary astrologer and consultant, plus a certified color energy coach. I explore creative expression as an artist, a musician, and write abundantly stories to poetry. I love investigating mythology's language, philosophizing eternity, and I'm a perpetual student of life, seeing oneness of body, spirit of people, animals, and nature. And I'm Dr. Laura Tad. I have a PhD in human science and work as a spiritually oriented psychological astrologer with people around the world. I teach and lecture on astrology both in person and remotely. I have a blog, I have written for the Mountain Astrologer, Celestial Vibes, and Tarot.com. Additionally, I am the educational coordinator for Live Life Resources, an educational nonprofit specializing in resiliency training, education, and research. And as the ancient Hermetic Code reveals, as below, as above, as above, as below. Well, hello again, everybody. I am so glad, Dr. Laura Tad, to begin another session on Planet Buzz with you. It's potent yeah. time again. <laughs> yes, it's great to be here again. Thank you for having me. Yes, and you're all the way from the East Coast. That's one thing that I wanted to say, that you're from Georgia. And or live so, here currently. I've got a sad rising, so I don't tend to stay in one okay. place for any length of time. <laughs> yes, that's that's a actually this is a way of life this is so true well gemini is a time of uh, many features and we we have so many oh uh 
I'm looking at all my notes where to begin. I suppose on some ways when I see things and the current times right now, returning to thoughts because it is consciousness of thought about justice, race, the environment. You know, I was listening to, um, oh, I think, well, must have been through Facebook on a moment here, a uh, little YouTube, because there's so many ways, whether it's PBS or, or other, but it was uh, the Arizona Trail, Matthew Nelson. He is the executive director of the Arizona Trail Association. And it was through biological diversity, I think, that I like to support myself. And he was didn't think of that I would begin this show this way, but actually his, but it, but it has to do about transportation. And I was thinking about foot and walking, you know, our neighborhoods and all of this, all the Gemini energies. And he was really commenting, which I agree with that we have to think a few times about this pro proposed 30 foot steel barrier, you know, blocking, limiting, um, that goes right through this really rugged mountains where, because the migrating animals, you know, the jaguars and ocelots that, that really go there. And there hasn't been, it's a wild place. And that we want to experience this, the wildness, the, not just wild, well, wildness is Mercury, not Mercury, uh, Neptune. And as we know today, I'm feeding all these thoughts in today does have this, uh, synod that means uh, cycle that meets of neptune well of mars to neptune uh, which is happening today this morning just before um, nine o'clock about eight thirty in the morning on the west coast something like that but the point is is that do we really it's reassessing. I guess that's what I'm saying. We need to reassess our values. Like what are our values as we know with all these and in, 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 a, in a group conversation, which one hears more and more. So that's why I suppose I can thread in Matthew Nelson talking about the Arizona Trail Association. It's only one of 11 places federally protected between both the Congress and the federal government. Um, so we might think twice whether, because there hasn't been any problem with any other immigration issues in that area. So now that I've done a, a bombshell on, on our conversation, <laughs> and you know, maybe two, I'll throw this out and then I'll let go. We're having not only this retrograde coming up, of rethinking, but involves these energies of our directions with the Mars and our dreams and the confusion with Neptune. And also tomorrow, the second of these squares with discord Eris that wants to bring in what's been excluded to be included as, as Pluto squares that. That's a 500 year cycle that Eris, the discord goddess, who's the sister of Aries, the strategic woman with hubris, as I was listening to Anne Orderly speak about. So we have to reframe this equality. And I know you have lots of thoughts. So thank you for listening. <laughs> you can make, <laughs> yeah. Some... Um, yeah, well, I think I mean, there's so much going on astrologically right now, right? And that's definitely being represented by 
what's going on in the world in a multitude of areas. Um, I think one of the things that with Mercury, that particularly Mercury retrograde that I found more, I, that I think is important to think about because it's so culturally sort of being like, oh no, Mercury's retrograde is sort of like the those who are not fluent in astrology, but have heard the terminology, that's where they go. There's so much sort of fear attached yes. to, uh, particularly Mercury retrograde, because very few people know that, well, everything sort of, other than the sun and moon go retrograde. Um, but um, that I think, yes, Mercury retrograde, it's about review, but it's also about remembering. That what I've seen for clients, so people born with Mercury retrograde, which is about like 25% of the population because it's retrograde for three weeks every three months thereabouts. So it's a good percentage of the world's population that most everything, very little information is new for people who have Mercury retrograde natally. There's this sense of remembering it whenever they're taught something, even as children, there's some part of their being, of their brain, it's like it's re-kicking when they've learned it previously. I um, have it retrograde. I'm listening avidly. <laughs> and I don't know, have you found that? I mean, it's oh, I want to bring I think clients. So. They're like, oh my God, that makes so much sense. Nobody absolutely no, and one really looks back for patterns to understand that truth. It's yeah. very true. One links, of course, mine is in Gemini, so there you go. But yes, I'm listening. And so I do think that that's part of that. Particularly, I think that will get very emphasized with it being in Cancer. That is, in many ways, about memory because it's about our past. It's about our ancestry, right? I mean, even its relationship to the. The fourth house, it's very rarely is fourth house sort of the family we create. It's our family of origin. And so there's this deep memory that's in cancer, right? If you think about in the medicine cards, that whale is the keeper of memory. So there's this piece about water that's about memory as an archetype. Um, and so pairing that with the retrograde of Mercury, there's this not remembering facts and details, which would be the Gemini, or if it was in Virgo or Sagittarius, that would be much more cerebral. But I think the retrograde in the Cancer is this memory of human of our humanity, remember yes. memory of of like of our this connection with soul, this connection with our past in a way of. Um, remembering who we really are yes and water to brief to bring up does have a memory dr emoto i think that's his well, name well he stole research he stole that research from a student oh dear well yes. he did publish i mean the research theory. is brilliant yes but it was not his theory it was uh, a graduate student of his and he took all the credit oh dear well regardless, <laughs> but well, we I, can talk about the research because the research yeah, but, but but the fact is that there are just to google one can look at water that has this memory forming crystals under a magnifying glass beautifully symmetry with harmonious loving thoughts of all designs depending on the compassion or however it's felt versus anger and discord you know of shattered uh imagery so i was just yeah, supporting yours sure. yes yeah. yeah fact that yes water is memory and so i think that that's that's part of this 
is what is really end going in this internal process rather than external. And that's also, I mean, it's sort of part of every retrograde, right? It's this inward reflective experience as opposed to putting it out in the world. And so, and connecting with self going inward. And it's interesting as the world is opening up that oh, yes. we're being asked to go inward. <laughs> um, but that may be part of it of even reflecting on, okay, what have these last three months been for people? Now that you've spent this time in some degree, if not a very intense degree of isolation, what, who are you as a result of that experience and having to reflect on it? Because we always need a distance from something to really understand how we've changed. Um, we, for perspective, is yeah, very yeah. true. I mean, when you're really... in the midst of it, you can't conceive of it. It's too close. No, that's um, point. How does it all link together? And actually, to be in this time with the Gemini energy, which, I mean, just to note with the umbrella of the sun, with all these aspects, is a perfect time to share these group conversations, which I've seen here on PBS with, here I'm in the state of Washington, and I happen to know this one in Spokane with a wonderful group of people with the starting with the police chief because we are experiencing real issues concerning police and it happened to have a pastor and a professor and a um, NAACP uh, uh, director and students high school students um, various people and so getting to the point of having because it's what you're saying and I agree absolutely this inner dialogue that we've had privately and that we're really focusing on these days with the, the need to reframe our sense of democracy is really the essential message with, with our racial dis, uh, um, divide that, that it, Gemini gives a chance for a person's to have heart-to-heart -heart talks, you know, and, and share meaningfulness. I, um, yeah, I, I, I think that that's part of maybe the gift of sort of, the, so for the first week of this Mercury retrograde, right, Venus will be retrograde as well. And so values will be part of this internal reflection of what do I really value? What's really important to me? Um, I think it's, you know, in maybe contributing to part of why this time is so different that the murder of unarmed black men in particular, but people in the last, I mean, since the 15th century, 16th century, but particularly in the last several decades where it's been very visible because of video that there's been protests and there's been, you know, and it's not really moved the needle at all. And that this time everybody's saying is markedly different. Um, is maybe possibly connected to this Venus uh, in Gemini. And because of like the, I think, was it earlier, just Friday mm. um, or Thursday, the New York Times bestseller list came out for nonfiction and every single book in the top 15 books on the New York Times bestseller list for the last week was on anti-racism, understanding oh. race relations. I mean, like that was every book 
was the top 10 or 15. I mean, the screenshot I saw it, it was every book in the screenshot from the New York Times bestseller list. Well, literature, that, so that is an, it's, it's a huge part of that, I think, mm-hmm. could be seen as that Venus, that values being given voice, people wanting to talk, people, they're wanting to have dialogue, they're conversations that have needed to happen for centuries. Yeah. It's a connection, the Gemini connection. And it's also reading and writing, you know, it's absolute Gemini. And of course, with the nodes, with concepts of the Sag, you know, inter-exchanging because one breeds the other, you know, with more information, you shift the truth of what the, the belief system is. And Sag is all about truth. And literature, we had had a big discussion prior to our own talk right now about the value of literature. And uh, because I was listening to James Baldwin on a N- NPR broadcast on wise air, I thought, wasn't that interesting? Wise air, you know, with Gemini being an air, who, and he's an author uh, who wrote in the 60s. And what the, his ideas are still relevant. It's uh, the few things that popped up in my mind was that he, expressed because it was an interview that he did the year before he died in 1986 I think because he died in 87 at 63 and he refused to live with the labels that he'd been defined by and again I thought labels that's so significant for Gemini that needs to identify things and it's not that Gemini was doing it but it came up as a subject right now mm-hmm. and then he had to really stop and and wonder who he was as a person and again his to have to own your own thought that was again so but you were bringing up this wonderful point of of the of the safety of mm. literature so if you want well, to so yeah, in that. terms of nonfiction, or in terms of things as nonfiction as opposed to fiction right and that historically controversial ideas have been introduced through fiction that um, because that there's a safety in that was my point is why I like that, that certain things can take longer to find their way into the dialogue from a more direct way, because it's not as confrontational yes. through fiction. Right. I like so that. the, I mean, and people who at various populations that are disenfranchised can come in. I mean, Baldwin being one of them talk about potentially controversial issues or issues that various people would take issue with. But when it's in fiction, it's sort of like, oh, well, it's not real, right? It's fiction. And And even if the issues are as true and a reflection of absolute reality, it can be introduced, you know, I, going back one, you know, to have it be, you know, in the, in the 19th century, we saw that a lot with women who were able to write literature able to write fiction, but women weren't allowed to go to college. They certainly couldn't be writing any, you know, they weren't writing essays that were being taken seriously in universities, but, you know, Jane Austen can write lots of novels about the economic inequality that she was witnessing and the issue, the gender um, inequality that she was witnessing and a a survivor of, um, but it was, she wasn't ever calling out the British government saying it's not fair that women can't own property, but she no. was saying that in her literature. 
It is. Uh, it is planting those seeds of thought and literature bound in those pages access to many time future or future generations thankfully you know so it's a really great attribute literature and yeah and, and so i think part of what this shift is though in contrast is that it was the non-fiction books that at least we're getting attention of like, wait, look, every nonfiction book that's in the New York Times bestseller list mm. are about white privilege and racial inequality. And it's this shift of, oh, well, there's literature about it. We can talk about it, you know, even, you know, what got attention first with some of the largest attention with literature about apartheid. It was literature. It wasn't oh, yes. nonfiction, it was literature. Yeah, with, it was uh, the closest South would have Africa. been um, Stephen Biko's biography, but that's still more, a little more in the literature category, the fiction category, even though it was a biography, than a academic book talking about apartheid. Um, but you know, "Cry the Beloved Country" was a bestseller book. It's talking, it's yeah. all about apartheid, but yeah. it wasn't till decades later that mm -hmm. it ended in South Africa. Um, but it was a safer way to introduce the topic. It was a way of sort of getting your foot in the door when, instead of having it slammed in your face. Well, learning takes many directions, whether it's intentional or through experience. And the, this also is uh, supported with an article, exactly what you're saying. And I jotted it down by Naomi Oreskes. She's a historian. Story, um, history science professor at Harvard U. Also, and just the comment that I grabbed that looking at history, big social changes follow crisis. I mean, it's a no brainer, but it's so great to have this uh, confirmed. And that now is an opportunity for really big change, you know, reconnecting to these ideas of the common good and collective responsibility. So that's just so fantastic to realize that the bestsellers are really getting down to the nitty-gritty. And I am with Dr. Laura Tad, and this is Planet Buzz for Talk Cosmos, and we will return in just a moment after this little announcement. While we take a break from this week's edition of Talk Cosmos, let's take a look at this cycle's archetype. We are currently in the period of Gemini. By leaving a cycle based on physical form, integrated through spirit, the energy of Gemini connects spirit with matter, focused on communicating and defining the external. Gemini is a mutable air sign signifying flexibility. Gemini duly focuses upon teaching and learning in order to synthesize the world one lives within. Hi there, this is Mark Worgan, your astral medium from Las Vegas, Nevada, and you're listening to Talk Cosmos on Alternative Talk, 1150 AM, where we discuss the meaningfulness of our roots in the stars. Giving local voices a chance to shine. Alternative Talk, 1150. Hi, we're back again, and this is June 13th, and repeating on the 18th with Dr. Laura Tad and myself, Sue Rose Minahan, 
at Planet Buzz, our monthly edition in Gemini, and it's been already a packed conversation. And I was trying to choose how am I going to start off just to capture one thought. You know, there's so many because it is mental agility. I need to learn how to pronounce words here, but that's what it is in Gemini. And interestingly, I was, well, I'm always interested in mythology, and I will just briefly bring up the factor that Mercury, the wind-footed god known as Hermes, whether in Greek or Roman mythology, and in Gishzida in Babylonian, and Thoth in Egyptian, always this energy of a messenger to cross boundaries, because it is not only, and these boundaries have to do with the underworld. Uh, Mercury was the brought deceased souls to the underworld. The twins, one was uh, mortal, one was spirit. And when the mortal died, the spirit needed it. So here we are in this world connecting with self of spirit and also remembering the deceased that have passed and their messages and what it brings to us. It's pretty profound in many ways, but I did want to introduce that Ooh. reminder well, I think that could be, yeah. I mean, Mercury White, he was a psychopomp, right? Like, he led the souls into the underworld. Um, so I do think that that's a good reminder about, particularly maybe with it being in Cancer, this retro, upcoming retrograde, because Cancer is family and ancestry. And so going back to that idea of sort of what did we already learn, remembering what we've already been taught and some of that being generational, some of that being ancestral. And, um, you know, there's been a lot of talk in the last 10 years in particular about inherited trauma, right? That they did a study of Holocaust, the descendants of Holocaust survivors and were able to see the altered DNA from the trauma of, of living through the Holocaust um, and fascinating. But I think the other thing that would have to be true is that there would be inherited joy. There'd be inherited mm. gifts that it, it would have to go both ways. That's just my I moon in Virgo in the ninth is just needs things it. to have a practicality <laughs> to them. Um, beautiful. And so inherited joy and accessing that accessing you know so in the mass exodus of souls from the planet right now right that there's also this remembering of lives well lived even in the wake of a tragic passing um that what people were able to contribute and what we can take forward or learn from the lives that were well lived and bring that forward. Um, and particularly, I think with it being in cancer, that is that ancestral memory. Um, what can we take from those who came before us that would be of value in the future? And that there's often a lot that's there that has important information in it. And that just because in one respect, it may seem antiquated, doesn't mean it doesn't have value. I mean, astrology is thousands of years old. It's evolved in context of the contemporary times. And, you know, we didn't have the internet for Uranus to represent that when we first discovered Uranus, right? It's evolved. So 
it's looking to the past, I think the value of that, what can we learn from what's worked, right? As we look to see, okay, how can we restructure the government? How can we restructure how, what in the acknowledging the reality of the systemic racism that exists throughout the world, but particularly because this country was founded on it, um, that, okay, if we look to, if we unpack the real intentions of the founding of this country, what can we pull from that, that we could bring forward, that would be of value rather than saying, well, this country was founded by the murder and genocide and execution of an entire people and then the enslavement of another people. Okay, that's true and that needs attention, but what else can we pull from from our history to take us forward that is positive? That is so perfect. Dr. Laura Tad, my friend Laura, it is beautiful. It, uh, Baldwin, just to reference James Baldwin, because another it's a uh, pertinent thing he said was, then this was by a, a man, Samuel Jackson, because he's using his uh, Baldwin's part of his reference. Well, anyway, here I'm stuttering, trying to say too much, but he says, I am not your Negro. That is going to be the documentary. And what it, what really impacted um, Samuel Jackson was the fact that James Baldwin offered the notion, as he put it, of a different perspective, that to see life different from the dominant way that is not just the Western world, that it could be from many centers. And it, and I'm also thinking in, in reference to what you've said about this beautiful idea of looking again at our stories is I was listening again. There was a commission that has been for two years, in the past two years, there were two representatives, uh, one from Rockefeller Brothers Fund and the other from uh, Harvard, I think, or what school I should, anyway, uh, Harvard, yes, Danielle Allen. And there's many people, they tried to pull it out from uh, across the politics, so it wasn't just any politics. But they have this idea because, you know, for 150 years, from our from 1776, which would be 2036, we can begin to talk about these ideas to reshape democracy. And what they came out with, what were these concepts that they gave a great deal of energy for? And you can also check it at amacad, that's A-M-A-C-A-D dot org, our common purpose. But it was increase the House representative by 50%, put a term limit on the Supreme Court judges, and they suggested 18, uh, redo the campaign laws, how, and have an info tax from the media fund, which I think would allow the campaign issues to be on a channel that everybody could have access to without all the drama that we have to endure. They didn't add that, but that's my own thought. And also, Oh, two other things. One is to have a vote as a holiday. I think Mexico does this actually. It's a, or other countries where it's a holiday and it's required like jury duty. You must vote whether this way or that way. We're all participating. We have to get involved. And the last was for everybody to give service in some way, whether it was, I'm a 
uh, core or something so that this democracy that we have could shift to be really the promise involved, not such a, and they didn't say this, but such a uh, economic, uh, capitalistic structure where it is the laws are really now supporting these corporations in such a manner that change that there's a lot of objection to change and there are changes that we need to, sure. to really yep work on yeah i mean i think a lot of those things would help i i for my undergraduate went to antioch in santa barbara um yes. and you were we at the time anyway i don't know if they still have it as part of the curriculum but at the time you were required to do three units worth of volunteering to graduate. Mm. There was a whole, I took a class on it, service learning, and we were required, you had to identify what it was and then write a reflection paper on your experience of volunteering for a semester and, or a quarter, because I'm in a quarter system. And it was phenomenal. It was one of the best courses I took. <laughs> um, and, you know, and we also did, you know, we, as a class, we did a beach cleanup, um, but individually, we each chose somewhere to volunteer for a semester for the quarter. And um, I think it should be required at the high school level. Can't get out of high school unless you volunteer. I think um, many of them are. I agree. And everybody, men, women, even adults, I think up to a, in at any level we could. In, yeah, I mean, it could be a continued thing, but I mean, it would reach a point of like, okay, if we start now, uh, we can't get out, out of high school without volunteering your senior year or something. Um, and not because it looks good in a college transcript, but because it is a enriching experience. It's a teaching experience um, that that, I mean, if you're doing it because it looks good on a college transcript, you're not really volunteering to me. Well, and there is a lot of <laughs> emphasis for that. That's true. But I would like adults also. It seems to me that, I mean, well, school, I think that's right. I was, what I was going to say is that if we require it of our children, then we'd just do it naturally as adults because you'd already be in the habit of it. So it wouldn't have to be a requirement. We'd reach a point, a tipping point where everybody was just already doing it. Yeah, Greece actually operated this way. They felt that a uh, citizenship was a, a group participation. And I, as you were speaking of the volunteer work that you loved at Antioch, I realized that the beautiful thing about volunteering is that you are in service to others and also it's a non-discriminant group. I mean, in other words, all kinds of people you're meeting. I mean, if it were, again, not just high school or school, but the adult world, like anybody, there was a limit, you know, the ideal was is that you participated, then you would be interacting with all kinds of people and learning through that experience, you know, learning has. Yeah, well, and it would depend to, I mean, I volunteered in a class with kids with special needs. And so it was a very powerful experience to, and a variety, I mean, huge spectrum from you know, dyslexia to very, you know, to autism, to, you know, um, physically handicapped. It was a lot of different, like, subpopulations. Um, and it was a, both very powerful to engage with those kids 
and um, very healing for me with my, some of my own stuff. Absolutely, um, I would imagine. And so that's where, you know, I think again, this reflecting and like to circle back around, right? It's like, so what do we already know? We don't have to reinvent the wheel. <laughs> we can repurpose it. <laughs> yes, repurpose. And my own one thought was, noticing in some of the conversation that I had heard, for instance, this group in Spokane, as I happen to be over in Eastern Washington with my mother in hospice. So it's, it's very interesting when you talk about the memory, I'm currently really experiencing this, you know, reflecting on family and roots and whatnot. But one of the people there brought up that it isn't just the police reform that's fundamental. It's a real indication that we need, but it's this whole system of thought because as Baldwin brings out in just you know the segregation you pay a price because you don't know the lives how they're really lived and and all of that sure so you know you had brought up some ideas of the degrees I'd love to hear your thoughts because you were with the U.S. chart that's a Sibley chart folks that sure. is July 4th 1776 at 5 10 p.m. Philadelphia that this uh, retrograde is uh, close to our natal sun of 13 degrees. Right. Cancer. So, yeah. So this, what I was looking at um, was just cycles with that of when, you know, so this retrograde happens to hit the U.S. sun. Oh, it's within, it, it goes retrograde a degree past the sun. So it will retrograde over the oh, U.S. Yes. sun. 14 to 13. Yes. Um. And so I was just out of curiosity, looked at, okay, well, when was the last time we had Mercury retrograde at any of the similar degrees, right? So this 13 to five um, to see, because I, that idea of cycles, that is this peeling of the onion of saying, okay, well, what was being revealed? What was being discussed the last time Mercury was sort of in this review reflective area. And, you know, it, it got close to some of those degrees um, in 2013. Um, it went retrograde at 13 degrees um, and went back to 26. So it got one, you know, it was old, not too many, or it went retrograde at 26 and went back to 13. Um, so it did cross over just barely, just barely went into yeah. where it's gonna be this time. Um, but what was fascinating with that was that it, when it entered the shadow on the, it entered the shadow on the 10th of June um, in 2013. And Edward Snowden released his first documents on the 5th of June. He identified as the leaker on the 9th and was charged with espionage on the 14th. Oh my. Um, so it's, and that was right on the sun of the US, right? This, oh, giving voice to what the US is doing, right? You know, as it was in the shadow. Um, so it would have been on the sun. It wouldn't have been during the retrograde, it was during the shadow um, that that got illuminated. So I Which just thought that was really interesting that that it lined is up because that it's way. really showing light in the shadow. Exactly. Yep. The and I think it's part of what's coming out now. This 
massive discussion about systematic racism and um, history, economic even, inequality. Yeah, in history, since it's Tulsa, it, we, I had yeah. not heard of some of that history. And that's part of the whole fact is, is that there's missing gaps because history is only revealed as it's told, you yeah. know, and published. So absolutely, that is. So that was really interesting to me. Um, and then the last time it got basically in the same orb that it'll be for this, it was in 87 and it went retrograde at 16 and went back to seven. So that's basically exactly, it's two degrees short of what we're looking at coming up. That was the year James Baldwin died, you know, with all my talk, that was yeah. the emphasis. That's one of the factors. And what else did you And so at? that was when apartheid was really globally being identified. It was when internationally sanctions were brought up against South Africa and during that period of the retrograde. Mm -hmm. And that is what led two years later to the end of apartheid. But it really, I think once the international community brought sanctions against the country, that's what started the ball rolling to a very entrenched system falling apart that had been in place for decades and really centuries. Um, coming apart at the seams. So it's fascinating. And I don't I didn't pull up a chart for South Africa to see how that hit. I remember South Africa's that. Chart, I do recall. I remember the awareness, the shock, you know, because it's easy enough. I was in relatively, anyway, I, I remember that. And I also remember that it seems like there was a lot of boycotting. Mm -hmm. that, in, there was boycotting South Africa goods and, and a real firm uh, opinion, a, a, a unity of thinking, yes, we, we've got to do that. that there wasn't yeah. much dissent against it. It was like, definitely. Yeah. And it, and it really, I think it's interesting that this was sort of looking at that in the context of what's happening now in this country and how that's also sort of spreading around the world in terms of racial injustice, that um, apartheid was deeply entrenched in South Africa. It wasn't news in 87 that that's what was going on, um, clearly because Nelson Mandela had been in prison for 20 years nearly. Um, and um, that it was, I think that's you know, really when things started to shift. And it went, it wasn't like it was, it was somehow news to the West, even though it was not new, right? And yes, sort of like the mass number of people that are waking up now to the racial injustices of this country and what it means to have white privilege. And that that doesn't mean that if you're white, you don't have challenge in your life. That's not the narrative, that's, that's a misunderstanding. Um, and so I, I, it's just that, again, that idea of like, oh, okay, this cycle that's happening, okay, there was beginning to recognize, oh, this isn't okay with apartheid, you know, uh, in 87, and now what's happening globally, but particularly in this country. Um, so I just thought that was an interesting I parallel. It is. And it's really, as you speak, I'm reminded as I had started uh, with these other 
strong aspects as we call them in astrology, where the planet Mars is, from our view, in conjunction today, that's at the same point, I think it's 20 degrees, with Neptune in Pisces, which really has our direction of dreams and overwhelm too, because there's no boundaries. And that's like a seed point with Mars for two years until it does its next well, I would imagine two years because it has a cycle every two years. So it'll return to Neptune at a later degree. But right now, what an amazing energetic impact along with tomorrow, you know, f- leading up because the, these aren't exact days. They're just like waves coming in energetically that we've been feeling that are happening that continue to to push forward in this incremental uh, thought process of Pluto, our transformation, working with what to include that will shake things up and certainly segregation and certainly our democracy and our values and our ancestral, which I'm glad you're remembering, <laughs> as I remember, which is the whole thing about cancer and our mind, because it's heart and mind and really connecting. And isn't that what life truly wants, is to connect all these parts of ourselves? It's It takes time. It's a process. It's so important. Yeah, absolutely. And just this, yeah, drawing these parallels. Um, and connections and the other thing that showed up as at least beginning during that period that may be reflective of again sort of this rethinking of our government or people that we thought were infallible um it was the iran contra scandal it was when oliver north started his testimony to congress who did? I didn't hear that word. The last Iran Contra scandal, all yes. of the North, and the, oh, when he yeah. began his testimony to Congress was during that retrograde. International, yes. And of course, right now we have South Node in Sagittarius, which is cultural and uh, other countries abroad besides philosophy and belief systems and higher education and the law. But I think what that <laughs> also highlighted so was that people in high places of government could be corrupt in this country. Yes, the law isn't necessarily what it's, it needs transformation. I'm just, yes. Dr. Tat, Laura Tat, I'm going to just briefly mention, because I see a few, we have enough time. Next week, to remind our audience, we have a total solar eclipse it's on the 20th. We also have the solstice, which is when the sun is at the highest point and at zero degrees cancer. The, it's a new moon where the moon and the sun are at the same degrees, which is zero degrees cancer. It's a very important cycle that Gemini Brett is mentioning is perhaps one of the most powerful eclipses because the ecliptic path of the sun is uh, uh, crossing the galactic center, which is a time period, he says, from that initiated an orb. We always go in degrees because energy flows, it's vibrational, from 20, not 20, I'm so, st- 1975 to 2025. And the point is, is that will be the moonbeam 
team. And we look forward to connecting with you on Saturday, the 20th. So tonight, we're not finishing up, but I just want to remind it is the 13th of June, repeating on the 18th. And this is Planet Buzz with Dr. Laura Tad, who you can find through mythicsky.com or else go to Talk Cosmos because all the guests are there. And if you want to subscribe, I always have to plug that. That's a simple way to connect. Just get on Talk Cosmos and it's possible right there. So we're talking about this Mercury retrograde in Cancer beginning on the 18th until... Uh, I had all the dates. <laughs> July 12th, it goes direct. <laughs> oh, very good. Okay, so Laura, yes, how we have about, oh, about a couple of minutes here. We can. Yeah, so I, I think just for folks to know, like, you know, whenever Mercury is retrograde, it's like, so use this time, right? It's this great time to reflect. And also know, like, yeah, if you have breakdowns in communication, the gift of that is that, oh, you weren't clear or the other person wasn't clear. There was miscommunication. So you get the opportunity to recommunicate it. You get the opportunity to revisit it because oh, there's more to be revealed. There's more to be understood. And it's basically sort of three opportunities, right? Because you get it going forward with the shadow. It goes retrograde. So it's like, oh, no, whoops, we miss, I misunderstood you. And then when he goes forward again on the 12th through the 26th, then it's, I sort of think about it as like a broom that's sweeping up the last little shards of things. Oh, beautiful. Yeah. What were those little prisms? What, what light did I grab from it? The millennium, this is one factor too, to, I'm so glad I can bring up the, oh, there was an article about the millennials giving advice to Gen Z. Now, again, those are labels, but anyway, these were youth that in 2008 suffered the economic uh, collapse that we had at that time and what they were saying. And it was so much Gemini thought. It would say, keep in touch with anyone you interview with, even if they reject you, because that network, you never know how it can serve you and no jobs forever. It's okay to learn what from it because that might help you move into the next role and also it's okay to let go of one dream to get to the next dream which i thought gee isn't that mars and neptune speaking hmm. well we have about 30 seconds we don't have to no. just hang up we, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um no, i think that's a great way to think about it that you know um yeah what you know, the possible dream that's out there that you don't know if you give space for it to come. Forward. Oh, gosh, you have a great way of reframing and rephrasing things. That's why this is so special. Yes. So remember, folks, this is uh, Planet Buzz, Dr. Laura Tad, Mythic Sky. And you know what? We may have to re-say because it's as below, so above. It has that so word. I was listening to Gemini Brett and I went, oh no, I wrote it wrong. I don't know if it really makes a difference. Words, 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 right? It's all the thought. Okay, and it's all a translation of- <laughs> that's ancient anyway. So. Yeah. Lots of love to you and lots of love to everybody. Till next month and next week. Mm-hmm.
Thank you for listening to Talk Cosmos, the show where Sue Rose Minahan and guests unveil astrology's ancient archetypes that continually build the collective experiences in our unconsciousness. Be sure to tune in next Saturday at 6 p.m. to continue finding your roots in the stars.